Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. You're very English. In other countries, you say good morning. They go, good morning. I'm back home now. It's good morning. <laughs> it is good to be with you. Just a couple of things before I start. First of all, can we thank the PA guys for the way they serve? Thank you for doing all that you do. PA is one of those roles that no one wants because no one notices when you do it right. Everyone notices when something goes wrong. So thank you for doing what you do. And thank you to each of you guys for being a Sovereign Grace Church. You know, Sovereign Grace has changed a lot over the last probably five, seven years. We used to be a family of churches that was really an American group of churches with global friends because the Americans didn't really quite understand how to possibly get internationals folded in. And, but that's really changed over the last five, seven years. So it is more of a global family of churches that happened to start in the States. You know, you're in the UK, one of 38 different countries now um, around the world that would consider themselves sovereign grace. We no longer have one pastor's college. So when you hear people talk about pastor's college, there's actually seven. And there's four in Africa, one in Australia, one in Germany, and one in the United States. And there's going to be two more within the next two years, one in the Philippines and one in India. And so God is doing some really neat things um, around the world. And you're a part of that. And you're part of the world in Europe is something that's definitely close to my heart, being European. And the Lord's doing a lot of stuff in Europe. We have a family now in Turkey that are missionaries in Turkey. They're busy trying to learn the language and reach out to Muslims, and which I just think is heroic, giving your life away to that. And we have two churches in Belarus um, that are seeking to be adopted by Sovereign Grace. There's one, one of those churches actually planning a church in Turkey, actually, a Belarusian church. Because of the war that's going on, a group are actually moving to Turkey, and they're going to start caring for Belarusians in Turkey, and are seeking to plant the Sovereign Grace church there. There's obviously our friends in Germany doing what they're doing. Ed Omar and his family just moved to Italy this week, and they're seeking to plant a church. There's one man actually from London, who's Italian from London, who's going to the Pastors College in the United States, and they're both going to plant a church in Italy next year. And then there's you guys. So thanks for being you. You know, we're excited to see what the Lord's going to do in Europe. And I'm certainly, as Matt said, keen to help wherever I can to see things happening here. And because it's so dear to my heart. And people think I say that everywhere I go. Um, I do say it differently where I go. But you are actually dear to my heart because I am European. And so thanks for having me in today. It is a privilege to preach God's word. Isn't it neat to be around God's word? Knowing that when we gather, he's going to speak to us. This word is alive and active. We don't just go through the motions of singing some songs and then hear God's word preached. We're aware that when we're talking around God's word, he's actually speaking to us. His Holy Spirit's at work. So let's go ahead and turn to Isaiah 41, please. We're going to be focusing our attention just on one verse this morning, but it is a verse that is so filled with just wonderful words that I believe the Lord wants to burn into our hearts, into your hearts this morning and encourage you from. And it's Isaiah 41, verse 10. If you're a note maker, I've called this message, Great Hope for All of Our Tomorrows. And this is the word of the Lord, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let's pray. Lord, you tell us that your word is sharper than a double-edged sword. And so, Lord, we, we are humbled 
as we gather around your word again this morning. Who are we that you would speak to us? Who are we that you would even know our names? But you do know our names. And you do know our frames. And you want to encourage us this morning directly through your word. So Lord, I do pray that for everyone present, it probably be your words that are here and not mine. And that you would be the hero of this story. And all eyes would go to you and rejoice in you. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, when we moved to Australia, we found some things are very different and some things are kind of the same. Some things are really different. I mean, the sky at night is really different. We pay with different money. And even though everybody speaks English, we may as well have been moving to Japan, to be quite honest. The culture is actually quite different. And so we've, we've enjoyed it, but it's been a challenge at times. And yet some things are exactly the same. A New Year's is exactly the same world over. New Year is always an interesting time, isn't it? You probably see Sydney on the news at different times. It's one of the first countries that comes in. You get all the fireworks off at the Sydney Opera House. And it's a wonderful time. For some, it is just a change in the clock where fireworks go up and party poppers go off and we don't sing old Lanzine because no one knows it there. So you just go, okay, good, happy, happy New Year. It's good, yeah. But for many people, New Year is one of those times in their lives where they both look back with reflection and start to consider the future with anticipation. You look back on the year before, what it was like, how difficult it might have been. Maybe it was a great year, maybe it was a challenging year, maybe it was a sad year, or maybe it was filled with joy. And you also, at the same time as looking back, look forward, don't you, with consideration and anticipation about the year ahead. What have we got coming? Is this going to be a great year or is this going to be a challenging year? And I think summer holidays can do the same thing to us. Certainly we're experiencing a holiday right now and the same thing can happen. You can look back on what's gone before and you can start to think as you get on the plane, what have we got coming in the next year? And you guys are coming up to your summer holidays now. You'll have those moments. I think these types of milestone moments in our lives, they're often moments where we have resolutions, aren't they? I love New Year's resolutions in particular, you know, general life ones like this is the year that I'm going to lose weight. By February, we're not losing weight, but we'll try again next year. Or this will be the year that I'm going to get fit. Uh-huh, I'm sure you are. This is the year when I'm going to clear out the garage for my wife. I'm sure you are. This is the year when I'm going to finally do my odd jobs. And then the spiritual things. This is the life. This is the year that I'm going to read the Bible through in a year. And then we get to February, we get into Leviticus, and we're like, maybe next year. I will try again. You know, we start to res- make resolutions before the Lord. All things that we want to do, that we consider essential. And it's a good thing. It is a good thing to make resolutions at different times and consider and determine where we like to grow. Because for all of us in the room, whether we like it or not, none of us are getting any younger, right? Psalm 103, verses 15 to 16 says, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. (laughs) I mean, what a humbling verse. We can think, oh, my life is so important. Well, maybe not so much. Your kids will remember your name. Your grandkids will probably remember. Your great-grandkids will not know who you are. Your great-great-grandkids will have no recollection of you at all. Our lives are like, like grass, you know, in a moment it flourishes, but then in a moment it is gone. That's why in Psalm 90 verse 12, we're taught to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. He's saying, hey, listen, consider your life. It's not going to last forever. Make a difference. What are you doing with your life? Sow into the kingdom of God. Build his kingdom. Live for him. And there's times where we need to make resolutions before the Lord, I think, whether that be at New Year or at holiday times. 
But this morning, I don't believe the Lord wants primarily me to stir you in your resolutions towards him. I really believe he wants to stir you and remind you of one of his great resolutions towards you. And it's this resolution right here in Isaiah 41, verse 10. I believe he wants to burn this into your hearts this morning, and I believe he really wants to help you understand what this all means, what the fruit of this verse is. And in a nutshell, the fruit of this verse is simply this, that in all of our tomorrows, we have nothing to fear. Whatever's happening, and whatever's gone before, and whatever we're anticipating, in all of our tomorrows, we have nothing to fear. You know, that reality to the original hearers of the book of Isaiah would have brought great comfort to them and encouragement. It would have been faith-fueling for them. And I believe the Lord wants to do the same for you this morning. I believe he wants to comfort you and encourage you and build you faith for all your tomorrows. So I have three points this morning. We're just going to deep dive into this text and unpack it together as best we can. And here's the first. Number one, he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not. You know, that's such an important term, is it not? Because in our humanity, if we're honest, there's so many things that can cultivate fears in our hearts, is there not? And I know you're British, so am I. So we pretend there isn't, but there definitely is. And you can usually pick it out when you're lying on your bed thinking about it. There's things that happen in all of our lives that we can get fearful about, we can get concerned about. It can happen as a church, it can happen as individuals. You walk through things as a church, through trials. And there are things that we can start to get fearful about, isn't it? How's this going to pan out? What's this going to mean? You go to something like the COVID pandemic. I'm sure you've heard of it. It was a world over nightmare. And you start to think, how are we ever going to get out of this? Australia became a prison colony all over again. We weren't allowed out or in. We were stuck. It's like, I think I've seen this movie before, like 200 years ago. And you can start to wonder, how, how are we going to get through this? We can't gather as a church. We can't gather in more than two people in our homes. <laughs> is there going to be a church left by the time we come through this? How is the Lord going to keep us through this? And you can get fearful about it. We can get fearful as individuals as well. You go to the hospital and because you're struggling with something and you think it'll probably be okay, but then the doctor comes out and they actually say, hey, listen, it's, it's bad news. And you can feel fearful. The girl that you've been hoping to marry and you're assuming that you're going to marry then leaves you and your life comes crashing down as you wonder, how, how am I going to get through this? Does this mean I'm going to be by myself for the rest of my life? I don't want to be by myself. The job that you've enjoyed for years, it looks like it might be coming to an end. You've trained for it. You're ready for it. It's the only job that fits for you. And now it's apparent that it looks like you're not going to have a job much longer. What about the kids? As they've got older, they've shown increasing disinterest for the Lord. They really loved the Lord when they were kids, or they seemed to, but now as they're getting older, they don't seem as keen. They're not as into it. And you can actually feel as a parent fear, can you not? Well, that's why he's telling us here, listen, hey, fear not. Why? Because I am with you. You know, folks, he is with us. And when you stop and think about what that means in light of the Bible, when you st stop and think about what that means even in light of the book of Isaiah, it's to be amazed to know who he is that is saying, I am with you. I mean, for a start, he is the one who is supreme over all creation. In Isaiah 40, just the chapter before, verse 12, he says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or marked off the heavens with a span? 
and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed out the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. And we are brought by Isaiah into God's workroom, basically, when he was there, when he was actually creating the earth. We're pulled back, back scenes into his workroom, and he's helping us see, listen, who is it that can do all these things? And the inference all the way through is God can do all these things. So who can, who can hold all the waters of the earth in the hollow of his hand? That's that little bit of your hand. I mean, that's just remarkable to me. One of the things that you face a lot when you're traveling, particularly when I go from Sydney to the States. So when I go from Sydney, I fly from Sydney to L.A., that's 14 hours in a plane. You take off in Sydney, and within one minute, you're over the water. For 14 hours, you just see water. And then in the last minute, just before you land in LA, you start to see land again, and then you land. That's just one of the oceans of the earth. 70% of our world is filled with ocean. And God says, hey, listen, I can hold all that in the hollow of my hand. Such is my greatness, and such is my splendor. What about the heavens? Well, you know, our world, our known universe is 93 billion light years across. It's only called the known universe because we haven't built a telescope big enough yet to see how big it really is. 93 million light years across. No one can actually measure that properly. But God says, well, I can. I can measure it with the span of my hands. What about the mountains? The great mountain ranges of the world, the Andes, the Atlas Mountains, the Rocky Mountains, the Himalayas. Just a few years ago, I had the privilege of going to Nepal and with my dear friend Barnabas, because we have a church there in, in Kathmandu, Nepal. And he took me for a coffee one morning just at the base of the Himalayas and where you get to Everest and so forth. But it was quite cloudy. And so I didn't exactly know where he'd taken me. So we got to this coffee shop and we're sitting there and he's like, just, just keep looking there for a bit. And I'm like, all I can see is clouds. And then all of a sudden the clouds start to part and you can see the base of Everest or where it goes through to Everest and it's massive. And he said, one day we will walk there. And I said, Barnabas, one day we will not walk there because I don't walk anywhere. <laughs> but it does look amazing and it is amazing. And then you start to realize that the Lord himself, he is the one that can hold those mountains. He's the one that can measure them in a balance. He's the one that can weigh them. What about the stars? You read in the previous chapter, Isaiah 40 verse 26. It says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. That's amazing. There are 400 billion stars in our galaxy, and it's estimated that there are 125 billion galaxies. And God says, I breathe them out, I name them, I sustain them so that not one is missing. Such is his power and his splendor. He is the one who is supreme in all creation. He's the one that says, hey, listen, don't fear. Because I'm with you. He's also the one who is supreme over all the nations. What a wonderful truth that is. You know, when you're going through a COVID global pandemic, and you're like, oh, the government, what are they going to do? Well, this is an encouraging verse. Isaiah 40 verse 15 it says, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. All of the nations of the earth, all the kings and queens, all the princes, all the governments are like a drop in a bucket compared to the Lord. Such is his might and splendor and power. Is that not amazing? I don't know about you, but when I wash my car, which is as rarely as possible, but when I do... If I'm walking along with a bucket and one drop falls out prior to getting to the car, I'm not overly anxious about that. 
And what God's saying is all the powers of the earth, all the nations of the earth, are like that drop falling from a bucket compared to my might and my supremacy and my greatness. And I am with you. He also tells us in Isaiah chapter 6 that he is the one who is above and beyond us in every way. In Isaiah 6, I think, is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. It's the song of the seraphim. He tells us that in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw a vision of the Lord sitting on his throne, high and lifted up, and with a train of his, tro- train of his robe filling the temple. You know, in, in ancient times, the, the length of your robe was simply to indicate your supremacy, your majesty, and your power. So when you read that his robe filled the temple, it's a show-off moment, basically. It's like, I am more supreme than everybody else. That was the point of the robe filling the temple. It says, above him stood two seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. And with two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. Amazing. These creatures, seraphim, you know, sometimes when you think about angels, you think about these little cherubim playing harps on a cloud. And you're like, I don't think I want to meet them. Well, these seraphim are otherwise known as the burning ones. They're massive. And they have three pairs of wings. With two, they fly. That's indicative of that they serve this king so they can go wherever they want. With two, they cover their feet. Feet all the way through the Bible are just a, a, an emphasis on creatureliness. The fact that they're creatures, they're standing before the holiness of God, so they cover their feet. And with two wings, they cover their eyes. Why? Because his holiness is radiating before them. And if they don't cover their faces, their eyes will be burnt out in a moment. And they start to sing to one another. With their mouths, these great seraphim behind the Lord begin to sing to one another. And they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. It's such an amazing part of scripture where something is repeated three times. You know, in the English, we don't repeat things too much. It's a bit odd if you do. We want to give emphasis or intensity to something. We put it in bold or we underline it. But they don't do that in Hebrew. They just repeat it three times to give emphasis. What they're saying is God is holy, holy, holy. He's set apart from us in his majesty. He's set apart from us in his greatness. He's set apart from us in his love. He's set apart from us in his mercy. He's set apart from us in his power. He is holy, holy, holy. As these seraphim sing to one another, it says that the temple shook, such is their power. And yet remember, those very same seraphim are covering their eyes because the one they stand before is holier than them. He's majestic in all things. A.W. Pink says, He is solitary in his majesty, unique in his excellency, and peerless in his perfection. And so, fear not, for I am with you. The one that we've been singing about all all the way through the songs this morning. The one that we read about at Isaiah 40 that's declaring to us that he's above and beyond us in all things is the one that says, listen, don't fear. Whatever comes your way, whatever tomorrow brings, because I am with you. You know, one of the things we like to do at different times in our house is we'll watch movies. Some people read books. I love that. We've been more of a movie family ourselves. And so we watch movies at different times. And so we watched, recently we watched Prince Caspian again for about the hundredth time. But we love it. We love all the C.S. Lewis's movies. And so there's this amazing scene in Prince Caspian where Lucy is standing on the end of a huge bridge 
And the whole army that's opposing her is starting to run towards her. And they're starting to laugh to one another because she's just standing there by herself. And then just as they get to the edge of the bridge, they stop. And you think, why, what are they stopping? And the camera turns around and there's Lucy with Aslan standing right beside her. They're not worried about Lucy, but they are worried about Aslan. And as Christians, we need to understand wherever we go, whatever we're doing, whatever we're facing, Aslan, the great King of Kings and Lord of Lords, is standing right beside you. The world isn't scared of you, but they are scared of him. And whatever comes our way, we can have faith that he is with us. And so he tells us, listen, fear not, for I am with you. What a wonderful promise. And then he tells us this, number two. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. It can sound like he's saying the same thing, but he isn't. It's very different. Be not dismayed. To be dismayed is that feeling that you get of profound disappointment and disillusionment. It is that feeling that you get when the sky, you feel as if the sky is falling in and the train of our lives is beginning to derail. It's that feeling that we get where surely, without a shadow of a doubt, nothing good can possibly come out of this. We're stuffed. The sky is falling in and we're in a right mess. It's that feeling that we get then a profound disappointment and disillusionment as to how we're going to manage to set another foot forward. But God looks back at us and said, hey, listen, be not dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't be disillusioned. Why? Well, because not only am I with you, I am your God. My friends, I don't want you to lose this. I don't want you to miss this point because I want you to see how personal these words are to you. The reason why I think it's important is because I think it's not uncommon for people, sadly, to think there's no doubt that God is faithful to them. But I'm not sure about me. I can see how God will be faithful to my friends. I can see how God will be faithful to other churches. I trust him. I know he will, but I, I just don't know about me in this circumstance. And so we think of God towards the crowd, but we don't fail to recognize that what about God and you, though? And I want you to understand when you read the words that I am your God, he's without doubt talking about you there. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you can go ahead and put your name in there in pencil. Why? Well, because the Bible teaches us that he didn't just knit you together in your mother's womb. He chose you in him before the foundation of the earth to be saved. Before the world even began, he knew your name and he chose you for great salvation. And when the fullness of time had come, he then sent forth his son to die in your place. He came after you on the greatest rescue mission ever told. Not just the world, but you individually by name. He is coming after you with purpose and grace and splendor. And now as a faithful and kind father, he has vowed never to leave you or forsake you. He promises, I will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. See, to the Lord, you're not just a number. You're a name. You're a child. You're one of his kids. Somebody he sent his son for to die in your place. Somebody he chose before the foundation of the earth. You have a name that has been written on the palm of his hand and a name that he cares for personally and passionately and particularly. And so, be not dismayed, for I am your God. Sometimes in our lives it doesn't feel like we're in the best case scenario. 
But God, I think through words like this, is helping us see you are in the best case scenario. Don't be dismayed. I got this. I knew this before the foundation of the earth. I'm leading you. I'm taking you forward. If I had a dollar for every time you look back on something that you think is going to be a disaster and then realize in the years to come, that was brilliant. I never would have chosen that. I never would have done that. But I look back now and see the Lord guided our hands. That's what he does for us. So be not dismayed. Don't be disappointed. Don't be disillusioned. Because he is your God. And then he tells us in the rest of the verse what it is that his hand will do for us, which is my third point, what it is that his hand will do for us. And it's beautiful. He says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's so beautiful. He will, first of all, he will strengthen us with his hand. And we all need strengthening at different times, do we not? And Isaiah 40, verses 30 to 31 He says, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What a wonderful promise that is, don't you think? There are going to be times, whether you're old or young, that you are going to grow weary. You're going to be tired. You're going to want to throw in the towel. You know, sometimes I think we can make the mistake of thinking that following Jesus is like a fun run for Jesus. You know, like a jolly for Jesus or something. It's not. It's hard. You're called to take up your cross and deny yourself daily and follow him. That ain't a walk in the park. That's an activity. That's an activity of sacrifice. It doesn't sound, when you think about it, the word cross in the list of what our mission is. It doesn't sound like this is just going to be great fun all the time. It's going to have hard things attached to it. Those hard things will at times make us feel weary. But one of the best truths of Scripture is, listen, when you feel weary, which is going to happen, if you wait on the Lord, your strength will be renewed. That's why that song is so beautiful, Turn Your Eyes to Jesus. How often is it when we feel weary, Jesus is the last place we look? You know, we go on the internet before we look at Jesus. Maybe the internet's got an answer. It hasn't got an answer. Jesus is the answer. He is the one that will strengthen us. He's the one that will give us faith and help for the road ahead. He tells us here, listen, I will strengthen you. And then he tells us that he will help us. What a wonderful comfort and faith-building reality that is. The God himself, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who spins the galaxies, is vowing, I will help you. I'll take that. That's a good deal. You know, I have five children at different times. You know what they're like when they're little. They want to help you when there's jobs. You know, so the car's broken. Oh, it's fine, Dad. I'll help you. And you're like, oh, please. Um, Yes, that would be lovely. You know, it's not our kids offering their help here. This is God, the maker of heaven and earth, saying, hey, listen, I'm with you. I will help you. I know how this works. I know your frame. I know your name. I know all things. I have the power to do all things. I deeply love you. I will help you. And then he tells us that he will uphold us. This is the same God who sustains and upholds the stars of the universe. In Isaiah 40 verse 26, when he tells us about the stars, when he numbers them and names them and sustains them so not one is missing. If he sustains the stars, how much more is he going to sustain you and help you and aid you? And then he tells us that he will do all of this with his righteous right 
Now, it can be easily missed because you think, well, why not just write with my right hand? That would be fine. Well, he wants to remind us this isn't just my right hand. This is my righteous right hand. It is a righteous right hand, a righteous hand that is unfailing and unchanging and unwavering, a righteous hand that is all-wise an all-knowing and all-present, a righteous hand that is perfectly present in all things and will never, ever, ever lose its grip on you. Now, I remember when my eldest, Josh, who's now 20, um, but I remember when he was born, and I remember taking him down the stairs one time, and for some reason he was really afraid of stairs. I have no idea why. But at different times when we would take him down the stairs, you'd hold him in your hand and then you'd walk down the stairs and for some reason he would cling onto your neck for dear life. He was like a koala on a bad day. And so you'd, you'd have these nail marks in your neck by the time you got to the stairs, by, down the stairs because he's hanging on and he didn't need to because I had him all the time. Well, that's what God's telling us here. Listen. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. I'm holding you. I've got you. I'm leading you. I'm caring for you. And so, fear not, for I am with you. And be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous Right hand. What does all that mean? What it all means is in all of our tomorrows, we have nothing to fear. God is with us. The maker of heaven and earth is standing side by side with you as a church and with you as individuals. He is your God by name. And he will strengthen you and help you and uphold you with his righteous right hand. And he is never going to change because he's a faithful and good father. And so in all our tomorrows, we have nothing to fear. Let's pray. Lord, you are so kind to us in the way you communicate through your word. Lord, I thank you that you hold us. Lord, even when we are unfaithful, even when we are fearful, even when we are nervous about things, you just remind us, hey, listen, kids, just, just stop. You have nothing to be nervous about because I've got you. Lord, I pray that that would be burnt into the hearts of every person present here this morning. Lord, that we would delight in the truth that we are safe and secure in your hands. You don't just hold the world. You hold me and you hold us. So in all that, may we have great faith for all our tomorrows. In Jesus' name, amen.